You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. And there's other things that are going on in our life. And isn't it funny that a lot of times it's never just one thing, is it? It stacks, doesn't it? And it pulls and it pulls and it pulls. And eventually, if we're not careful and we don't take the time to receive the peace that Jesus gives us into, really, again, we're using this phrase to center our hearts because it is a discipline. It is an act of obedience where we trust the Holy Spirit to stop and allow him to speak to us um, about his peace. If we don't do that, then things can begin to spiral out of control. Have you ever noticed during um, the Christmas season that the roads get crazier? That congestion builds up, people are rushing to the stores, but people just drive crazier. They're cutting people off, and it just seems like tension is all over the place. And if, again, if we're not careful, those little things add up, and we can become, uh, get into a place where we lose our peace. But what we're going to do today is we're going to look at Jesus, our peace. We're going to be talking about the peace that Jesus gives and and how it's different and how we can receive that, why we need that. Again, just as a refresher, that the, the key points of Advent as we go through these four weeks are going to focus on Jesus, our peace, Jesus, our hope, Jesus, our joy, and Jesus, our love, the love that he gives. Now, we might have noticed something different in our service today. We did a couple of things different. The first thing, and I want to just make you aware of this because it's not an accident, the very first thing we did this morning is that we sang a song. It's called the doxology. And what that is and why we're doing that is it serves us as a reminder of a call to worship. And what we're doing is we are telling ourselves in that beautiful hymn, in that beautiful song of this, is that all of creation, both on earth and in heaven, stop and they worship the creator. And that's what we're doing. This is why we are here. There's so many reasons why we come to church. And I hope you come because you are in a community of people that you love and that encourages and supports you. I hope you find friendship and joy here. That's my hope. But the most important thing we do is we come to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. And so we do that on purpose. And for the next four weeks, we're going to be singing that at the beginning. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do, is that maybe you get to church right on time or right a little after time. And that's okay. It's all right. We, we all do that. It's fine. No, no judgment. But I want to encourage you to make a shift, to do something that's going to pay rich dividends in your life in the next four weeks is to get to church a little early, to enjoy a cup of our wonderfully brewed coffee that we have here, to have some fellowship time, to greet one another, to encourage one another, to hug a neck, to shake a hand, to say hello to somebody maybe you didn't have time to say hello to. But when it's time to start service, let's come in and prepare our hearts and together as a family. Because of Jesus, we are family. We'll center our hearts on him. And we'll sing that song as a call to worship to say, everything else in our week has stopped. And now, Jesus, we are focused on you. And as we come into worship, but we're going to celebrate that. And then another thing that we did is that we had a reading that follows the theme of what we're talking about each week. And we're going to be lighting a candle. And each one of those is to, to again, to remind us of the particular uh, attribute of who Jesus is and why he came to earth. Now, the purpose of Advent is this, is it's not just to remind us that the baby Jesus came to earth as we celebrate this season, but it's also to remind us that he is coming again, that he is the king who came once 
And he served and he did something that creation, humanity, the universe needed and received. But he is going to be the returning king. He will come again. And so we set our hope on that place. We set our peace and we set our joy and our love on that place as much as what we receive from Jesus today. And so that reminds us of this in the scripture reading puts us on a place on the word of God to put our focus on those particular things. And we're going to celebrate communion together just like we did today. I know that's not what we typically do. And we'll go back to to what we've done after Advent. But during Advent, we're going to do this as a family. And these are all things that we feel like are drawing our hearts and giving us that place to be still and understand and to receive who Jesus is. So today, as we talk about Jesus, our peace, I want to reread the scripture reading that uh, Pastor Chris read, just a portion of it, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. You can look at that on the screens if you choose to or in your, uh, your phone, your Bible on your phone. And uh, no, Facebook doesn't have your Bible, so don't go on Facebook. Um, don't go on fantasy. Fantasy doesn't. Fantasy football doesn't have your Bible either. All right, but or your paper Bible if you have one. Okay, Isaiah nine six and seven. Now listen to these words and let them resonate in your heart. This is a prophetic scripture that was spoken about by the prophet Isaiah as he talked about Jesus, the Messiah. He says this: for us, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forevermore, and the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This prophetic scripture that Isaiah speaks about and talks about is, is, is in, found in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, to be clear, to give a little bit of context, that what Isaiah is speaking about is maybe not the peace that we might normally think of or sometimes even normally want, as it was in the time when Jesus came to earth that Israel was looking for a Messiah. This wasn't the peace. Jesus did not come and and become the peace that Israel desired. What they needed was something different. Why? Because they were oppressed in some ways. They were oppressed politically, socially, religiously. They were looking for somebody who was going to come and liberate them, who was going to come and remove them out of the rule and the oppression from the other governments that were on top of them, Rome, They were looking for somebody that was going to liberate and establish a government. And so when they would read the scroll of Isaiah in their mind's eye, the peace that they looked to was a governmental peace, was a a peace that gave them their own spot, their own territory, what was promised to their father Abraham, what David had to have that, that place of land, to have that government of authority. But that's not what Jesus came to do the first time. They were looking for stability. They wanted something of their own. They were looking for a Messiah who was a warrior. And that's not who Jesus was. And why would I bring this up? Because a lot of times when it comes to peace, we too are looking for the wrong things. Even when we ask God, we're not asking the right things. And so this gives us an opportunity to ponder and really think about where we find our peace. 
Because what Isaiah tells us is something much more than just a government structure of authority on a, on a geographical spot of land. It's much more than that. It's much more than removing the oppression of rulers on a, a, over, over a people. It's much, much more. But it gives me, at least, and hopefully you, an opportunity to ponder what brings us peace. Maybe we're like Israel and what we're looking for in peace comes from our government. Maybe we're looking for something from our government that the government can't give us. Maybe we look at our job and we, we, we want that to be our security and we want that to be our peace. We think as long as my job is good, as long as my job is healthy and there's upward mobility and there's an opportunity, then I'm okay. But friends, that can't bring you peace. Maybe it's the security of our resources, of our money. But listen, you know what's amazing is this. When they study money, they find this, that even though 1% of the wealthiest people in the world don't feel like they have enough money. And so the question becomes, how much money brings you peace? And the answer is, there's never enough money that will ever bring you peace because money can't bring you peace. Money can't bring you peace. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe we look for peace in terms of the people we're connected to. But what we find sometimes, unfortunately, is that there's a disconnect in that, that people maybe let us down, or there's some growth, and there's some pain that is involved in that, and we lose peace in that area as well. Maybe it's nothing, not a particular thing, but an idea or a hope that we're looking for. The proverbial dang dangling carrot always in front of us. If this day will just come, if this will just happen, then this will bring me peace. But friends, I want to tell you that this won't bring you peace. Maybe it's nothing at all, but you find yourself in a place that you're just searching and searching, trying to patch that place of peace in your heart. You're masking it, you're covering it with something, you're trying to fill it with something, and you find yourself falling short in the area of peace over and over again. And what I want to tell you, if you find yourself in this place, one, you're not alone. Two, you also find yourself in the exact same context of the environment when Jesus came to earth. But Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 tells us something so much more. It's so much more beautiful than just sometimes patching the, the, the areas of our life that we think we need to have patched in order to find peace what Jesus promises us, and I want to reread this to you again, and I hope that this just resonates deeply inside of you, is because Jesus is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. And sometimes, even though we don't understand it or necessarily see it initially, what we need more than the issues of our life to be fixed that we think would bring us peace is to know the inward working of the one who calls himself the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, working in the seat of our soul to bring us stability. See, this is a question that, and maybe it's just an abstract question, but what if Jesus would have come and done what Israel wanted? What if he would have come and just set up his authority on earth and given Israel a physical geographical place, removed the oppression of Rome, given them the peace and the security? What would have happened? 
Well, what would have happened is this, is that the word government in Isaiah 9 and 6 would not apply because this word government means this. Sometimes when we read this, immediately what we think is we think of the government in terms of our democracy, of our structure, or a world government in any particular area of this earth. But this is not what this word means. What this word means is this, dominion in rule. It's so much more than just a seat of political authority. What it means is this and what it extends to. And again, it makes these adjectives that are used about who Jesus is. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, so much stronger. Because if Jesus would have just come and been a ruler and an authoritarian, uh, set up a government or a structure, then eventually that would have dissolved. It would have been fought over, contended over. But what Jesus came and the government that is established on his shoulders, the dominion that he has and the rule and authority that he has is not one that just extends on this level, but it extends on this level, and it extends on this level. It's much more. It's much more. But sometimes we cry out for those things. But when we really understand the peace that Jesus gives us, it becomes so much more powerful. Now, don't, don't mistake me here. Don't, don't get me wrong. Jesus will return. And this is, again, what I said earlier, why we celebrate Advent, because he is not just the king who came, but he is the king who will return. And in that day, he will set up a government, a literal government, and his rule will go on, just like Isaiah 9, 7 says. There will be no end to his governance. And that day will come, and that is also our hope. But what we need today and what Jesus gives us today is a peace that is so much greater. And we would just simply receive that and see that in what he has done. And so what I want to show you this morning very quickly is this. Is that Jesus gives us peace for today, for our today, for our tomorrow, and for eternity. I want to show you this through a couple of passages if you'll allow me to. Jesus cares about your today and he knows your tomorrow. He cares about your today and he knows tomorrow. In Matthew 6, 25 through 34, I'm going to read a chunk of passage here. But I want you to, to really see his care here. That he cares about your today and he knows your tomorrow. Sometimes the weight of today oppresses us, but the reality of tomorrow becomes oppressive. Right? It becomes something we can't handle. But Jesus, he cares and he offers peace for your today. And he knows and he cares about your tomorrow and he offers peace for your tomorrow. In Matthew 6, 25 through 34, it says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. Wish my kids would hear that. It is not, is not life more than food. We took, uh, I'm going to pause and tell you a little story. All right. um, we, uh, we, you guys are going to go, oh, poor pitiful you, huh? We got to go to Gulf Shores, Alabama for Thanksgiving. It was amazing. And we took family pictures. And my wife, she's not here. She's across the street. So what happens in the sanctuary stays in the sanctuary, all right? My wife is a picture-taking crazy fool. She is, like, about the pictures. And so I'm basically like, babe, just tell me what I want, what I need to wear. Just tell me what I need to wear. I mean, listen, 
Guys, she dressed me. She had me dressed like an hour in advance. Like I'm sitting out there in the sun at Gulf Shores. It's like, when are we going to take this picture? Some of us, we worry about this stuff. And Jesus here is using a language that we can all relate with, isn't it? Isn't he? Like he's saying, listen, sometimes these, again, these cares that stack up on us for today and tomorrow, they're, they're little things. Moms, you know, you know this. With, you have little kids. You're, you're worried about having all the things in order, having the, 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 the clothes clean and having the lunches prepared. Dads, we worry about a lot of the little things. We all worry about these little things. But here Jesus is telling us, listen, you don't need to worry about these things. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any, any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, but and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow is going to worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Okay, so here we see a couple of things that I want to point you to to begin to understand Jesus as our peace for today and tomorrow. The first thing that you need to understand and why you need to let Jesus be your peace today and tomorrow is this, is you can't control it. You can't control it. Nobody expected to wake up at 1 o'clock in the morning rattled by broken windows and an explosion. There was nothing you could do to control that. Nobody can expect the fallouts of life, the things that happen to us, the, the terrible things. Nobody, none of us can control that. You can't control it. And so Jesus just posed this big question, this, this what I call a soul-centric question that falls on every one of us, every human being. Why do we wrestle with this? Why do we instinctively try to control the things in which we cannot control? One of the greatest thieves to understanding the peace that Jesus gives is by trying to control the things that we cannot control. And the first key of this in understanding the peace that Jesus gives for our today and tomorrow is knowing that you can't control it. When we choose to fret about these things, we miss out. This is the second thing. When we choose to worry about these things, what Jesus also tells us is this, is that this actually takes away from our life. It, it, it erodes the valuable areas of our life. Think about it like this. And one reason why we need to trust the peace that Jesus gives for our today and tomorrow is this. The more time you spend worrying about the things you can't control, the less you are doing the things that you are called to do. The simple things of interacting with people, being Life and encouragement being joy. Think about it. Parents, think about it. How many of you have gotten frustrated this week with something that was totally out of your control? 
And it came out in a way towards somebody else, your children or your spouse or something, and it just kind of overflowed. But it was a result of something that you were carrying, a lack of peace that you were carrying. And Jesus, again, is just laying the smack down if we choose to receive it and hear it. He's saying, listen, these things are things you can't control, but there's a better option. Stay in my peace. Why? Because I care for you. I know what you need. And if I'm able to clothe the, the, the grass in the field, the lilies of the valley, to give the birds of the air what they need, and think about how valuable they are to me, but you are so much more valuable. I know what you need and I care for you. Let me do the job. You stay in a place of my peace for today and tomorrow. Matter of fact, Jesus kind of summarizes this with this thought that sometimes can be a little distracting and worrisome to us. But he says, listen, tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. But here's the thing, is that Jesus is not inviting you into your tomorrow. Because you're not like him. You can't see tomorrow. He can, and he's already got it covered. And what he's inviting you to do is to take your hands off of tomorrow and trust him to be the present peace in your life today, knowing that he cares about your today and your tomorrow. He can handle it. He can handle it. You don't need to put your hands on it. We just need to choose to rest in that peace and be obedient to the leading of his peace. When we choose to rest in the peace and the care of Jesus Christ, for our lives. It gives us rest for today and tomorrow. It gives us rest for today and tomorrow. Jesus has also given us peace for our eternity. In John 14, 27, it says this. Jesus speaks these words. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you peace as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus reminds us of a very powerful truth here that the peace that he gives is not just for our today and for our tomorrow, but it is also for eternity. Here Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And, and, and again, when I read this in John 14, 15, 16, Here's what we see is this conversation is that this is Jesus's exit sermon to his disciples in John's gospel. And he's speaking to them and he's beginning to prepare their hearts and say, look, I'm going away. And he knew that that very phrase would, would just steep anxiety within them. They had gotten to be very um, close to Jesus and codependent upon Jesus which was okay, it's what Jesus wanted, but he was preparing them and telling them, listen, when I go, that the Holy Spirit is going to come. But there's a reason why I'm going, and why I'm going is so that you have a security. You understand that where I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now the takeaway is this from this thought, and what we can learn from this today are, are several things. The first and foremost thing that we can't pass by is that making Jesus the Lord of our life doesn't just guarantee us peace for today and tomorrow, but it also gives us an eternal hope. The Bible says it very clearly, and I know I'm talking to some people that have heard this before, but I believe this, we all need to hear this again, that we all will die. And we all will stand before God. And there's only one appropriate answer that we're going to be able to give God when he looks at us. 
and says, why should I accept you in? And our only answer is going to be because of the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son. That's it. I put my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ, the sacrifice and the resurrection. And friends, if you have not done that, if you have not fully trusted in Jesus Christ, then do it today. Do it right now. Do it right where you're seated. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I trust in you. You are the only way I receive you as the Lord and Savior of my life. Do it right now. That's one. But the second thing is this. The second purpose of this is to remind us that, friends, this is not our home. This is not our home. And that means this, that there's going to be storms that hit us. There's going to be tragedies that affect us. There's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. But those things don't determine your peace. Because the one who cares for your today and tomorrow also has secured your future, your eternal future. And our eyes, part of our gaze, even though we're focused on this earth, we're not to take our eyes totally off this earth. Part of our gaze should be on eternity. The things that we do should have an eternal focus. They should have an eternal hope. When things sink low here on this earth, we have to remind ourselves that this is not my home. I am not a citizen of this earth, but I am a citizen of heaven. That may sound abstract or strange to some of us. Maybe you've never heard that before, but I want to invite you to read the New Testament. Because there is a theme that runs across the whole thing that says the exact same thing. The New Testament was written to a group of believers, multiple groups of believers that faced persecution at different times. And these scriptures that we're pulling from today, these were written to them to tell them to have peace. Now friends, if they're in a position of adversity and oppression and persecution, yet they stand in a place of peace, what are they looking at? Are they looking at the circumstances that hit them? No. What are they anchoring themselves to? They're anchoring themselves to the ever-present care of Jesus Christ the King in their life today, tomorrow, and for eternity. And we too must do that. And when we don't, we begin to get in a place where our peace can be rocked. And we have to stay in that place. He gives us peace for today, for tomorrow, and for eternity. So how do we trust him as our peace? Now I want to just read to you this. this, I'm giving you some scripture, so if you don't want to go to it, write it down. Just write this down and go back and read this this week. Read Isaiah 9 through 6 several times this week. Read some of these scriptures. Remind yourself of the peace of Jesus this week. This is one of my favorite passages. It's in Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel. We're going to read from Mark's gospel. In chapter 4, verse 37 through 41. This is why I like Mark's gospel. It says, a furious squall. <laughs> I think the next, uh, if I ever have to have a team name for anything, I don't care, like, you know, washers or, you know, hide and go seek. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't really know what team I'm going to be on in the future. <laughs> Stay with my train of thought here. But if I have to ever formulate a team name for something, it's going to be the furious squall. What's your team name? The furious squall. Why? I just like the way that reads. I don't know why. I love it. A furious squall came up. You guys are like, you are mental right now, Pastor. Yep, I am. All right, let's keep going. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat. So there was nearly swamped, and Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? I'm not reading that correctly. The way that it's actually read in the original Greek is this. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? (laughs) 
Sometimes we just spin past that so quickly and we fail to, to feel the energy and the, and the emotion of that. In verse 39, it says, He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the winds died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and looked at each other. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You know, sometimes, if we're honest, we might know in our mind that Jesus is our peace, but we struggle like the disciples here to trust him. And this is why I find this passage so beautiful and, and, and giving us a little bit of insight and understanding on how to trust Jesus as our peace. And I want to just introduce this thought to you. I want to give this to you. But trusting in Jesus is not the absence of our anxiety. Trusting in Jesus is not the absence of your anxiety. It's the presence of your vulnerability. Trusting in Jesus is not the absence of your anxiety. It's the presence of your vulnerability. The first step to trusting in Jesus is not saying, I'm not anxious. The first step is saying, I trust you. I need you. In order for the trust uh, to receive the peace of Jesus and trust to come, we have to make statements that look like this. Jesus, I can't manage the peace in my life. Things are out of control. Only you, Jesus, can help me. I need you. And this is what happened with the disciples. I'm sure they worked very hard in that boat. Maybe, maybe I'm just implying this. I don't know. I'm just thinking about maybe what I would have done if I was in their situation. Maybe I would have tried to navigate out of the storm. These were guys that understood what it was to be on the water. And maybe they put their, their, their first effort in their own knowledge, in their own strength. And they said, look, if we just go here, get closer to the shore, try to find a, a point that we can, we can head toward, go into the wave, out of the wave, whatever. And they might have tried to navigate. Maybe that was their first blush. Maybe they tried to bail out the water. I know I would have. I would have been as fast as I could. We got a leak, man. It's time to bail out water. I don't want to swim. But eventually, in fear and in anxiety and frustration, they cried out. They became vulnerable with Jesus. And they woke up a sleeping Jesus. There's so much about this story that is just simply amazing. Here you see this guy has done these tremendous miracles. And you really are on the cusp of like, he's the guy. He's the Messiah. All he's got to do is like do the final thing, and he's in, man. He's our guy. Draft pick number one. Y'all, come on. Think about this. Think about this. Stop, because we don't think about this. See, they hadn't experienced a resurrection. Yet. They hadn't experienced a crucifixion. They were on the cusp a little bit of saying, I think he's the guy. We're really starting to follow. We spend a lot of time with this, he, this guy. He better be the guy. We've seen him do some cool things. We've seen him raise the dead, heal a lot of people, cast out some demons. He even turned some water into wine. That's just pretty gnarly. Come on. Y'all get real for just a second. Wake up. And they're doing this, and they, all of a sudden, their boat's about to go down, and Jesus is sleeping. And what they do is what we must all do is they got real and they got vulnerable with Jesus. And they go to him, and Mark's gospel tells us this, and I love this language, and it's beautiful. And I pray this is the way it went down. But they say to Jesus, don't you care that we die? Listen to this. 
And I don't think this is just an over-flexation on this word and understanding and digging too deep in this word. But they said, Jesus, you are in the boat with me. Here's what they're saying is this. Jesus, we know who you are, but we need to know who you are. But the only way to know who you are is to be real and to be vulnerable and say, we are lost and desperate without you. There's a reason why you're sleeping and we're freaking out. We need you. We are out of control. We are going to die. And sometimes I think that in our pursuit of peace with Jesus, what we do is this, is that we stay up here and we know these things until it hits the fan and we all know what it is. Guys, listen, here's what I'm doing. I don't want anybody to get upset or get worried or going, oh, he's getting real close to stuff. Is that I'm tapping on some things in our hearts that need to be knocked on a little bit. They need to be challenged. They need to be pushed on because here's the thing. We can't sing about Jesus our peace and believe Jesus our peace and not have his peace. But the key to getting his peace is this, is to be vulnerable. Sometimes we think about this, that we must trust in order to be vulnerable, but that is not the way we are predisposed in the human condition. The way that we learn trust is by being vulnerable first so that we see trust. But thanks be to Jesus who allows us to see the nature of himself. Because remember what we read in Isaiah 9, 6, he is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. He is trustworthy. So you can be vulnerable with Him. That's the first thing. If you're lacking peace this morning, cry out. Cry out. I can't do this. I can't control the areas of my life. They're out of control. I need you. I'm taking my hands off, Jesus. (laughs) And I'm letting you take the wheel. (laughs) Jesus, take the wheel. Here we go. Now let me just wrap this, bring this together, okay? Here's the process that we take. In Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9, this is it. And then the team's going to come up and we're going to pray together. It says this, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Listen, I want us to hear the process of beginning to experience the peace of Jesus Christ. The first truth that you need to know, the first step you have to take, which is so powerful because it fits into this message of Advent, is we have to know that God is near. God is near. God is near. However you want to say it, he's in the boat with you. He is Emmanuel. That was the promise that was given at the birth of Jesus. His name will be Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means, we might know this, but Emmanuel means God is with us. 
God is never far from your situation. He's not distant. Sometimes we think that. Sometimes that lie slips in. Sometimes we want to believe that. That God, where are you when these things are happening? When things are going crazy? When it feels like the boat's about to go under? But he is near. He is near. The second thing is this. What I talked about just a second ago. Is be present. And present the vulnerability of our soul before the Lord. And there's three things that this scripture in Philippians tells us that I think are so important. And if we really understand these things, they give us a little bit of insight on the process of receiving peace. And the first is this, these three things I should say are prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. And to me, in the context of the situation, what I see prayer as is this, the, the acknowledgement of saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. I can't do this. Lord, I need you. The petition is not just simply repetition. But the petition is this. It's saying, God, I trust you. You are my source. I trust you. You are my source. I trust you. You are my source. This morning as we were singing Waymaker the second time, I found myself emphatically shouting over and over again, you are God, you are God, you are God, you are God. And what I was saying in my spirit, what I was telling myself, what I was speaking out over this community and this congregation is this, is that you are in control, you are in control, you are in control, you are God. Nothing happens except for you, you are God. You are bigger. You are God. And this petition is this. I trust you. I trust you. You are my source. You are my source. And the thanksgiving is this, the reminder of you are the one who cares for my soul. And in that place, sometimes we go back and we dig into that well of history that we have with Jesus as our peace. And we tell ourselves, yes, you are the one who held me up over here and the one who held me up over here and the one who steadied me in the midst of this storm. And I am thankful and I remind myself, I remind myself, you are the one who cares for my soul. The third thing in this process is this, is receive the peace of Jesus. The situation may not change, but again, this is the whole point. Israel, again, was looking for something different than Jesus presented himself as the first time he came. But what Jesus gave was so much more than what they thought they needed and in our lives, too. The key to peace is not sometimes always for the situation to shift, but first and foremost for the, the peace of Jesus to come and transcend our understanding, to guard our hearts and our minds. And friends, when that happens, when we stay in that place of understanding and that place of prayer and that place of petition and thankfulness until we receive the peace of God, what guards us gives us the rest and the peace to stand up no matter what is happening outside of us. And then Paul just buttons this up with this beautiful truth that is just a powerful and I think just painfully practical reminder of the way we stay in peace is this, the peace of Jesus is to think on the right things. Don't abandon your peace when the situation has resolved, but create a culture of peace in your life where you are thinking on the things that are pure, that are right, that are noble, that are true, that are lovely, that are admirable, that are praiseworthy, that you meditate on those things. 
How easy is it for us? And isn't, again, this just an understanding of the human condition that we find ourselves in? That when stuff starts to go wrong, that's all we see. But sometimes what brings us into the place of peace is by choosing to see the goodness of God. I'm going to say something that's going to just like shockwave over us a little bit. And I'm, I don't mean it to be offensive. Because I'm not telling you that your situation is going to get better. But when we choose to focus on the things that represent the lack of peace in our life, in essence, what we're saying is, God, we forgot what you have done in us. I'm not saying that you're not going to wrestle in between those two worlds, but ultimately one has to concede because they can't mutually coexist. And you're going to have to choose to believe one, not both. And eventually you have to let go of one to believe the other. And if you're going to anchor yourself in the peace of God, part of that peace means this, is that yes, stuff is happening. It doesn't mean that stuff goes away, but you're choosing to believe the truth of what Jesus has done. And you're thinking about those things. And if you don't have a history with God, then look somewhere close to you. I'll give you a bit of mine. You can, we can share history together. We're a family, so we can share it. And we feed off of this. And, and let me just take it just a smidge deeper, okay? Is this. Is this is why community is important. This is why Sunday morning is just simply not enough. This might be our, 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 our centerpiece, but this is not the whole table. This is why you've got to be in fellowship and community in a small group or in something with somebody here or somewhere else where you can feed off of the life from other people because I'm telling you, Man, I got in my group text. I was in Gulf Shores, Alabama, and my spotty signal, and I, I sent out a group, a text message to my guys. Hey, let me know where you're at. Let me know what's up. And they're shooting off. They're like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Good. You guys are all safe. Good. Okay. All right. It's going to be all right. We're going to be good, right? And we're all, and somebody said, man, I need prayer on this. And, and it's one right after the other. We love you, man. You're not alone. It's okay. You're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. Bam, 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 bam. You know what was happening is that the balance was tilting. It was shifting. And we were doing what Philippians 4 talked about, and this is how you get peace. Is that you got to choose to think on the things that are good. And I promise you, if you just try this process, just say, this dude is nuts, and he just said this, but I'm going to try it. I bought that thing off a of TV that said it would fix my abs, and, you know, so I'm, I'm willing to give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, you got a lot of those equipments laying around the house, don't you? They're good for clothes. <laughs> Just try it. Tell me what you think. Give it a week. Every time a thought pops up and you go, man, I don't have enough money for Christmas. I don't know how this is going to happen. God, I thank you that you're enough. I thank you that you're enough. None of you expected to celebrate Thanksgiving the way you did, but I bet some of you were pleasantly surprised. I think some of you might have reconnected with some generosity and some encouragement that was long lost because it got out of your control. Ooh, that will preach. And could it be that the God of the universe, the one who is in the boat and cares for you, your today and tomorrow, knows that maybe sometimes things got to get out of your control in order for the peace that he gives to come? All right. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, 
It's not my words. It's not my words. Don't take my words at surface value. But trust the word of God. Trust Emmanuel, God with us. Trust the Prince of Peace. He is peace. He's peace. Today we're going to close by doing something new. In just a few minutes we have. It's going to stretch some of you. And we're doing it on purpose. You know, don't, don't giggle. Is that we're going to invite you to get in small groups of five or six. To join hands and to pray the peace of God over one another. I'm not asking you to pray a laundry list of things. I'm asking you just to offer a quick prayer and say, Jesus, will you be the peace, the Prince of Peace to the person on my right and my left? Now, some of you broke out in a cold sweat. Your hands are sweaty. And if you're not comfortable with this, if you're not comfortable, now, now listen to me. Hear me. I want you to please hear my heart. I'm not trying to make anybody uncomfortable. If you're not comfortable with this, stay seated. Just bow your head and have a time between you and the Lord. Okay? If you see somebody seated, don't invite them to pray with you. Just gather hands with somebody around you. And just for a few minutes, we'll have a timer on the, on the, on the thing. And you say, well, Pastor, why are you doing this? Because I would be a liar to get up here and to say that peace comes in the context, the peace of Jesus Christ comes in the context of community with not inviting us as a family to celebrate and to pray for one another to do this. You guys ready? If you're uncomfortable, if you're a guest joining us today, we don't always do this. This is just for Advent. And don't feel any pressure. Stay seated. Close your eyes. Make this a special time between you and the Lord. Invite the peace of God in your life. But if you're comfortable, I want to invite you to stand to your feet now. Stand up. And just look for a few people around you. No, don't get into a big group and don't talk. Don't talk about other things. Just grab hands with the people around you and invite the peace of God in their life. We have three minutes. Y'all, please pray.
Father, we just thank you today that you are our peace, that you are the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And so, Father, for every person here this morning, no matter where they find themselves, no matter where they are situated, if they're lacking peace, if they're falling under a place of anxiety, I pray this morning that you would be their peace, their peace. We trust you. We need you. We believe you. We know that you care. Be our peace, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you find yourself back to your seat really quickly? Thank you for doing that. I hope that didn't make anybody too uncomfortable. But I will promise you that as you're seated, as you're seated, I will promise you that as you um, learn to take that step of vulnerability, that what you're going to find is in this house a group of people who love you and who want to encourage you. But what I would tell you is this, is that today's message is exactly what we need to understand the peace of Jesus, and we need that for us. But that is not where it stops. This message is not sufficient in itself just to be for us. That is not the message of Christmas. That is not the purpose of Advent. To understand that Jesus came to give us the peace that He only can give us is the first piece of the puzzle. But to know this, as much as we've received it, we need to give it. And so I want to direct your heart this week to a couple of opportunities to think about. And these are probably things that you're closer to than you realize. Areas where there may be people who lack peace. There are people maybe in your sphere of influence, in your relational circle, in your community. Or people that maybe you even just know who need the peace of Jesus that you've received today. There are elderly people who are shut in. And one of the best ways that we can be an example of the peace and the love of Jesus is by maybe taking an opportunity to reach out to them. A phone call, a text message, a visit, a small gift. There are single parents, moms and dads who are working overtime that are stressed out that maybe lack peace. And one of the greatest things about pastoring this church and why I love this church more than you guys possibly can know is that God has blessed us with a multi-generation church. I laugh because my kids call me a Zoomer. Okay, Boomer? Oh, I'm a Zoomer. I'm Generation Z. But I want to tell you something. We don't classify generations by the way the world does. What we do is this, is that we're one family, one body. We are incredibly equal and valued in the sight of God. But there may be something that you have that a single parent needs this season, this week, that you can give them a sense of encouragement, a, a, a re- reaffirmation that they're doing a good job, an understanding to say, yeah, it's bumpy, but it's going to get better. Don't give up. To be peace to them. To be a display of that. We have veterans in our community, both old and new, that have been affected by the tragedy of war. And their peace is rattled. And this is a great opportunity for us to be kind. One of the great, I love, I, I, I don't ever, I rarely do this, but I'm going to do it today. 
I love going and eating with, with my dear friend, Elder Keith Dawes. Because every time we go to a restaurant, he sees a veteran and he stops. He gets up out of the middle of the conversation and he thanks them for their service. Just thank you. It means a lot to me. And I, it doesn't fail. I watch their faces. It's not just a casual thing. They stop and they go, thank you so much. Maybe you buy a meal for them. Maybe you just simply say thank you, whatever it is. There's organizations that apply to all of these areas that you can be involved in. And listen, it, it, it is it's just really simply not enough for us just to receive it for ourselves. One of the most powerful things that Jesus ever said to his disciples before he sent them out, he said, freely you've received, freely give. Freely you've received. None of us deserve the wonderful grace and the love and the peace of Jesus, but we've received it freely. Now freely give it. And I'd be amiss not to mention this. There's a lot of broken windows in this community. And those broken windows, in some, some small way, some fraction represent broken peace. And going to your neighbor and simply knocking on their door and saying, hey, you're not alone. You okay? Baking them some cookies. Tell them, hey, if you need help cleaning up, I'm here for you. Is a representation of the peace of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? I want to bless you and send you on your way. Father, I thank you again. And Jesus, we thank you that you are a peace. And so I declare the peace of Jesus over each and every person. Lord, that begins to go in to heal our heart. Lord, in the midst of our vulnerability, we acknowledge that only you can be our peace and our su supply. And so, Jesus, would your peace come and guard our hearts and guard our minds in Jesus Christ the King. Your grace, your mercy, your love over every person. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.